good afternoon, Epiphany Church. It is good to be here, good to be gathered with the people of Christ. Uh, You know, the fact that you woke up this morning really is an extension of God's grace. Because you didn't have to wake up this morning. God didn't owe you a day. If you got up this morning, it is because of God's grace, his mercy. I love the way Lamentations 3.23 will say it. Great is thy faithfulness. God has been faithful to you. And so never take that for granted. Oftentimes we take the fact that you woke up, the fact that you're breathing right now. We take that for granted, but God does not have to give us a day. And so uh, we are grateful. Well, listen, we're coming off the heels of what culture will say is uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, I'm all in the spirit. Got to take my wife out on a date. We went to see uh, Anita Baker, excuse me, Auntie Anita Baker. We went to see Anita Baker and in concert, her farewell tour. And so love was just in the atmosphere. And so because of that, I felt strongly led to detour and delay our Roman series one more week. Uh, And so if you do me a favor, grab your Bibles, because I want to preach about relationships. Run back to Genesis. It's going to get a little tight in here today. Hey, as you're turning there, uh, just a quick reminder that uh, we will be back in the book of Romans next week. Um, When I say back in the book of Romans, uh, we are trying to go through it line by line and verse by verse and trying to uh, get everything we can out of it. And so uh, if you are if you just started coming to our church, it's a good time to be here because we are working our way through that book. But for today we will. The Lord really pressed on my heart to call an audible. And the reason is the reason the Lord pressed this on my heart is because I'm convinced that many of us are trying to model our relationships. And we're, we're so influenced by a culture and uh, by what social media is saying relationships should be that we never stopped to press pause to reflect on what the word of God has to say about our relationships. And I'm just I mean, I, I just think it's impossible for you to learn about dating and about uh, marriage and about singleness from uh, Jada Pickett's Red Table Talk and the Kardashians. I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm just saying don't be so influenced that you allow that to be the standard, not the word of God. So today we're going to spend time, I feel led to almost spiritually father the room, even if you're older than me. I feel led to spiritually father the room on singleness, dating, and marriage. And so that's what we'll do today. Uh, won't you pick me up in verse 16? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 29. <laughs> chapter 29 of Genesis. Uh, as you get to chapter 29, uh, just a couple of quick shout outs. We have a couple people that are expecting. Uh, Jazz and George are expecting a baby. Man, you know, this is one of my favorite parts of the service is being able to announce stuff like this. And uh, Jalisa and Clyde as well. Are they here? They're expecting as well. Man, so we're so, so, so very, very excited about that. All right, verse 16, Genesis 29. It says, now Laban had two daughters and the older was named Leah. And the younger was named Rachel. Leah had tender eyes, but Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Underline these three words. Jacob loved Rachel. So he answered Laban, I'll work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban replied, better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay with me. Verse 20. So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for the Lord, for her. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, since my time is complete, give me my wife so that I can sleep with her. Fellas, that's not a good pickup line to, to, 
Don't use that one. That's not good. He says to her, give me my wife so that I may sleep with her. So Laban invited all the men of the place and sponsored a feast. That evening, Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and he slept with her. And Laban gave his slave Zilpah to his daughter Leah as her slave, meaning he financially he had a little bit of money if he could afford that. Verse 25, when the morning came, there was Leah. Notice the exclamation point. He said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked? Why have you deceived me? Laban answered, it is not custom in this place to give the younger daughter in marriage before the firstborn. Complete this week of the wedding celebration, and, I, and we will also give to you the younger in return for working, here it is, yet another seven years for me. And Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. And Laban gave his slave Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her slave. Jacob slept with Rachel also. And indeed, underline this as well, he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. I want to preach today from the words of prophetess Ella May, booed up. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, as comical as this is, Lord, um, the reality is many of us are desiring help with our relationships. Many of us are in desperate need of you to counsel us on what singleness should look like and what relationships should look like and what marriage should look like. Because the reality is many of us have been in this thing for so long that we just think we have it all together. But Father, would you poke holes in the dysfunctional parts of our relationship and in, and in our singleness? And Lord, I, I pray that you would break us down because we do need to be broken down. But you wouldn't pray. We pray that you wouldn't leave us there, because if you break us down, we'll be in despair. But, Father, would you build us back up through your word? And I thank you for your word and for the gospel, because I realize that your word has the ability to do both at the same time. You can break us down and you can build us back up. So, Father, would you do that today? I pray for the one that is wrestling through that decision and trying to figure out what that relationship looks like and. Should they pursue it and should they not? Father, would the word crystallize that decision in our mind today? It's in Christ's name. We do give all glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Uh, well, listen, I, I need to start out by doing this. Let's, let's get a quick feel for the room. And so uh, there's one, or three, one of three categories that everybody in this room is sitting in. And I'd love for you to, to make some noise if I announce that category that you're in. Everybody's in this category, one of these three. So don't, don't not make noise. Don't not make noise. Okay, first category is this. Everyone in this room that is single and available, can you make noise? Mm, I see you. Now, 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 don't miss your moment. Don't just scream. But you got to look around the room and see who else is screaming. Because you might find your man here. You might find your girl here. Okay, here, here, here's the second. Here, here's the second group. The second group is everybody in the room, make some noise if you are Dating, like seriously dating and engage. If that's you, make some noise. A couple people. All right, all right. Love it, love it. We got to get some more in that category. All right, all right. The third category, the third category is make some noise in this room if you are married. All right. How many just don't know what category you're in? 
you don't know what the relationship is right now, you're trying to figure it out. There's room for you at the cross as well. But listen, listen, listen. All jokes aside, it, it is very difficult. It is very difficult. I'm going to just be honest with you. It's very difficult for, for churches to uh, effectively engage all three of those categories. And so there, there's, that is why most churches either lean heavily on focusing on singles or they lean heavily on focusing on marriages or those that have a great counseling system where they can counsel those that are engaged. But here's what I love about the word of God, particularly the passage we're in today. The passage we're in today hits on all three. There isn't anybody in the room that can walk out and say that word wasn't for me. The passage actually hits your situation. In fact, I got up early this morning and I prayed that you wouldn't check out this morning. And so, so if you go on your social media, I said, Lord, cramp up their fingers and, and kill their phone right away because I'm so serious. I think that this is a very timely word for everybody in the room. Now, maybe you've heard this story before. I'm not sure. Uh, this is the story with Jacob and Laban. And Laban has two daughters named Leah and Rachel. Uh, I've heard this story when I was a kid. Uh, I, I don't even remember how old I was, but uh, early thoughts of this story. I remember my father sharing this with me. And I always was rooting for Jacob. I'm always rooting for Jacob because I feel like Jacob deserves this, right? Jacob worked hard for it. And so, uh, therefore, he deserves uh, the, the fruit of this passage. However, upon further research and observation, I realized there is some healthy aspects to how Jacob is pursuing this young lady, but there's some negative aspects as well. And here, here's what it behooves us to do. It behooves us to work through both uh, the positives and the negatives in this text. Now, in con for context purposes, we're in chapter 29. It's dangerous to parachute into chapter 29 without understanding the context. So in context, you have Jacob here searching for a wife. In fact, he's been searching since chapter 28. He's been on a search for a wife, and that search has led him to what the Bible says at the first part of this uh, passage, uh, to an eastern country. It's called Haran. This country is where Laban lives. And as he's searching for a wife, and as he's at this well, this is the beginning of chapter 29, as he's at this well, this PYT, a pretty young thing, walks by <laughs> by the name of Rachel, and she has her father's sheep. And when he sees Rachel, he instantly falls in love with her. In fact, He's so in love with her, the first thing he does when he sees her, brothers, I don't, I don't encourage this. The first thing he does, verse 11, is walks up to her and starts kissing her. Now, that's, that's a uh, sexual assault. I do, not, I do not agree with it, and I don't think you should do it. However, his response to kissing her is comical to me and a little odd. Look at verse number 11. I know we're not preaching it. But verse 11 says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept loudly. I'm like, why in the world would you kiss her? And then oddly start crying about it. Either you're, you're really emotional, which it, it might be true because he grew up in the kitchen with mama while Esau was in the, in the field hunting. So maybe he's just in touch with his emotions or maybe her breath stink. I, I don't, you know you can be cute with, with stink breath, right? And so maybe that's the case. I'm, I'm not sure. However, here's what we can gather from him automatically kissing Rachel is that he was in love with Rachel the moment he saw her. It was love at first sight for Jacob. Now, let's keep in context what we're doing here because he's not just in love with her, but the rest of the passage or the rest of the chapter, all he's doing is pursuing her. That's all you get for the, from here on out is he's pursuing this young lady that he's infatuated with. In fact, in fact, let's do it. Let's work through the passage. Verse 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. 
The older was named Leah. Keep note that she's older. The younger was named Rachel. Leah had tender eyes, and Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Now, we don't understand, we don't use this language, tender eyes, so I think I need to put a little work in here. The Greek for tender, or the Hebrew for tender eyes is weak. Right? It, it's, it's, it's frail or it's dull. And so if you compare how the Bible describes uh, Leah's appearance, Rachel's appearance is opposite. So I think what we can gather is that Leah, my mother told me never to call anybody ugly, but, but I think we can gather that Leah ain't cute. I think we can gather, gather that, that Leah is, 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 has some facial disformities. Is that a better way to put it? So, so Leah, Le- Leah, Leah's just, she's not a, I don't know how else to say it. She's just not attractive. But in contrast, her sister, her younger sister, Rachel, is beautiful. In fact, the Bible doesn't just say she's beautiful. Did you read the two descriptions? She's shapely. She's voluptuous. She's curvy. I need all the curvy girls to say, hey, she's curvy. But she's not just curvy. She's not just voluptuous. She is also beautiful. She is also attractive. She is also alluring. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Nowhere in the passage do we get let in on anything other than her physical beauty. You do not know how she prays. You do not know if she is faithful to the Lord. You do not know if she loves the Lord. You do not know if she has bad credit. We don't know her spending habits. We don't know if she has career goals. We don't know if she has vision for her life. But here's what we know, that she's beautiful. And in response to the text saying she's beautiful, the next three words, I told you to underline them. Please don't leave me hanging. What are the next three words, which are the first three words in verse 18? What are they? Jacob loved Rachel. So in other words, his love for her wasn't based on her personality and her career goals. His love for her was purely physical. His love for her was a physical attraction to who she was. And, you know, one of the things I think it's very dangerous for us to do is for us to base relationships and base our pursuit of the other purely based on a physical attraction. You know how many of us do that? Girl, he cute. And girl, you know, he got nice abs and nice teeth and nice skin. But you know that nice teeth and nice skin don't pay bills. Like good abs don't mean a good marriage. And so hear me, though. I know all of us in here have some type of, you know, physical standards that we have. You know, he can't be too short and she can't be this. And, And so we have these we have these physical standards. But in reality, Don't let the only standard you have be a physical attraction. Brothers, hear me. I know she's fine, but don't let don't base wifey material on her physical physique. You also need to know, does she got common sense? Does she pray? Does she love the Lord? And so all of this is very important. And what we do is if you're writing notes, principle number one, never base the relationship purely based on looks only. Because here's what I found out about looks. Looks always change. She could look a certain way now and he could look a certain way now, but 10 years from now, they might look different. And if you're only basing the relationship on the physical aspect of who that person is, when they change, it's easy to fall right out of love with them. Because Jacob was in love with what she looked like. He doesn't know anything else about her. And hear me, singles, hear me. It's possible for you to find the person that you are physically attracted to and has other characteristics. It's possible. Like, hear me. Ty is bad. She's bad. 
But I'm not just, I'm not just, I'm not just attracted to her physically. I'm attracted when I see her praying. I'm attracted when I see her faithful to the Lord. And so attraction, a physical attraction can't be the only thing. He, it's not, it can't always be about her curves and her physical beauty, but there has to be something else in there. Notice something else here. You do not see Jacob in this passage praying at all. There's not a part of this passage. He's praying over his decisions. In other words, it's not just a physical attraction. It's a prayerless one. And that's what we do. We get in relationships because he loved me and because she cute. And we we ignore the fact that we haven't asked God, God, do you approve of this? But we get so deep into it. Even when God says, I don't approve you like I ain't trying to hear you, God. I'm in, I've invested in this. But in reality, what we need is not just not just don't base it on physical attraction, but make it a make it a prayerful one. Pray over the one that you are seriously pursuing. Now, watch the conversation here. Verse 18. It says, Jacob loved Rachel, so he answered Laban, I'll work for you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. So he wants to work for Rachel, not Leah. Verse 19, but Laban replied, better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay with me. I love Laban's response. Although Laban's response is a bit vague, he probably should have been up front with him. But his response is a bit vague. But here's what I love about this passage. Don't miss this. Daddy is present. Not only is daddy present, but he's willing to weigh in on who he thinks is good for his daughter. What man is good for her? And now I, I know you're sitting here going, well, you, you know, I just don't like people in my relationship. And, and so what we do is instead of inviting the community, instead of inviting your girls and your, your, your homeboys to weigh in on the relationship or your family, what we do is we date them and we wait two, three, four months. But now you got your feelings involved. Now you fell in love. And so when we try to critique and be like, he's whack, you don't want to hear us because you've already fell in love with him. You don't want to hear the critique of you classify us as hating on your relationship. When in reality, if you had came to us in the premature stages, we could have said that's dysfunctional. Why does she do that? And why does he do this? And come to your family members. If you come to us in the premature stage, it'll be received differently. But you wrapped up right now. You caught up in your feelings right now. And so because you are caught up, everything else sounds like hate to you. When in reality, we ain't hating. We just trying to tell you the truth. Why? Because we love you. And so Laban here is, he knows the men in town. He's probably like, listen, ain't no good dudes here, but you're a good dude. I know you're a hard worker. And so therefore, I would rather give my daughter to you than to some other fool that really don't want her. Listen, hear me. I know I say it all the time, but I really want to beat this into us. Don't date in isolation. Don't date where other people aren't aware and aren't, aren't knowing you. What does Proverbs 15 say? That with many advisors, plans succeed. You think you only need advice on that business plan, but you need advice on that relationship. And so what you need is you need a plethora of counsel that can walk with you in your singleness, walk with you in your dating, not to just make sure purity is there, but to make sure he ain't trying to get over on you. To make sure she ain't, which is why we need spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters and spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. You need people that you trust, that love you, that you've invited into your life as a single to say, I want to walk with the Lord. And therefore, I need you to challenge me on dysfunction in this relationship and not look at them as though they're hating. 
And brothers, hear me. If a sister comes to you and says, I've been dating this guy and I want to get him around you. Because you do know the longer you're dating and the more infatuated you are with him, the less likely you are to see the blind spots. So you bring him around some brothers, we eyeball him and can come back and tell you, I don't know about this. He said this to me and he said this. And I don't know if he loves the Lord. I asked him about the gospel. You need that. I know you're sitting there like, I don't need that in my life. But hear me, you need it. You need somebody else to weigh in. Why? Because it's really, 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 we get blind with beauty. Beauty makes us, we forgive, we ignore the conversations about bad credit and spending habits because they're cute. And so what you need is you need some people that can weigh in. Many advisors plan to succeed. And shout out to all of those of you in here. I know some of you didn't grow up with a father. And so you've invited other guys to come, spiritual, godly guys. You've invited them in. And hear me, brothers, we have to do that and give that advice without trying to sleep with the, with the girl we're giving advice to. I, I, is this, this is real right here. Because the girl come to you and say, man, I don't know about this. And you really don't want to give advice. You just want her. So what we need is we need godly dudes that say, listen, I want to walk with you. We need, and brothers, you too, you need some girls to check her out. Make sure your selection is up to par. Because women have a great intuition. They can pick right up on stuff. So you need, you need some sisters that are involved. You need some brothers that are involved. So here we have Laban. Laban is serious about giving his daughter to, this is positive. He's serious about giving his daughter to a good guy. So he says, better that I give her to you than to somebody else. Verse 20. Y'all still with me? So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And they seem like only a few days to him because of his love for her. He works, this dude works seven years. Seven, the reason they did seven years, and this is a very generous offer by Jacob. The reason he works seven is because seven is, I did my Pentecostal folk, is the number of completion. But, but it really is because in Exodus, it tells us that the Mosaic law will say any debt that you have, it doesn't matter how great the debt is. If after seven years, you still owe that debt, it's canceled out. So look how willing he's willing to work for her. He's like, listen, I could offer a year, but I want to go to full seven. Why? Because I really, really, really want her. And so he says, listen, I'm going to go seven years. And I, I don't know, man, Rachel must have been fine. Because seven years is a long time. I mean, we read this and we'd be like, oh, that, that's not that big a deal. Like seven years he works for her? I know some brothers that ain't willing to work seven days. But he's working seven years. And I know, you know, Ra Rachel, I, I can't wait to see her in heaven. I, like, babe, I won't look long, you know. I won't double tap the picture. You know how we do. I'll just, I'll glance. I need to see if she's worth working seven years. In fact, here's how in love he was with her. Don't miss this. He didn't only work seven years. The scripture said it felt like days to him. So all the, and then he didn't work only seven. Verse 30, the B part says he works another seven. 14 years. Touch your neighbor and say he's either crazy or he's in love. And I, I don't know which one it is. But here's principle number one. Principle number one that I just mentioned, never desire relationships purely based on looks only. Here's principle number two if you're writing notes. Don't get in any relationship with a man that's not willing to put the work in for you. Y'all young ladies hear me. Let me pastor this morning. Do not get, because what we do is we get attracted to lazy men. 
men that don't want to, let me, let me, litmus test. Let another litmus test here. Let me show you and prove to you if he's willing to put that work in. If he never takes you out on a date, and all he does is watch the All-Star game last night, and all he does is check his fantasy football league, but when it's time to take you out on a date, he never takes you out on a date. He might not be willing to put that work in. And, and, and not, only, not only take you out on a date, but pay for the date. Are y'all ladies paying for, for meals? I, I, don't, I don't understand. I'm a little old school here. Like, a woman shouldn't pull out her credit card at dinner time. Listen, brothers, you got it. Because he, here's the reality. If he's not willing to take you out on a date, he might not be willing to put the work in. But, 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 if he doesn't pay for the date, he might not be working at all. That's a whole nother issue. Whole nother sermon. But hear me. You need, you need, you, you want to know if he's pursuing you. You need to check if he's really, like, is he pursuing you and willing to put the work in and take you out on dates? When you text him, do you always initiate the text? And when, somebody say, yeah, we're going to pray. <laughs> and, 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 and not only that, but if you text him a paragraph and he texts you back an emoji, he might not be willing to put that work in. I'm just saying, if, if he's more eager to spend time with his boys and not eager to spend time with you, it might, he might not be willing to put that work in. So I don't, I don't know where you are in, on the scheme of things, but in reality, I really want to expose some of the unhealth in our singleness. We pursue guys that aren't pursuing us. We pursue young ladies that aren't pursuing us. But I love Jacob because here's a positive. Jacob is like, I'm going to put seven years in. Wait a second. I can't just put seven. I really love her. So I'm going to put another seven in. Fourteen years he's willing to pursue this young lady. And for him, it seemed like only a few days. Listen to me, brothers. I'm tired of young ladies. Can I just get practical with y'all? I'm tired of young ladies coming to me and saying, Pastor B, there ain't no good men in church. Like, Christian men should be the best bachelors. Christian men should be the most, like, the best people to date. Christian men should be the best husbands. We should be the model. But unfortunately, these young ladies, like, I got to go to the lounge, and I got to go to social events in order to find somebody else. The devil is a liar. Brothers, we got to step it up. Y'all hear me? But not just the brothers because I'm not going to beat up on them only because there's some good men in this room. Y'all hear me? There are good men in this room. So forget that stigma. We got some strong brothers. Brothers that love Jesus and will love you. But, but we're, not, we're not interested in them because they don't meet our physical standards. But, but, but listen, listen, young ladies, young ladies, the, young ladies, listen to me. Y'all need, need, need to look at that physical standard, and y'all need to knock some stuff off that list. I'm just telling you. And brothers, the same with us. Brothers, the same with us. We can't have such a high standard for these ladies that it's, that it doesn't even, it's not even realistic. We got to pursue them rightly. And so he works here. I'm getting off here. He works here. Not seven, but 14 years. And for him, it seemed like days. Now, watch what, watch what happens here. This is such a crazy story. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, since my time is complete, give me my wife so that I can sleep with her. So he's a little eager. Verse 20, 22, so Laban invited all the men in the place and sponsored a feast. And the evening, that evening, Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. And he slept with her. 
And Laban gave his slave to uh, slave Zilpah to his daughter Leah as her slave. Now that thick that that veil must have been thick because he didn't know. Watch what happens, verse twenty-five. When morning came, there was Leah. So he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Wasn't it Rachel that I worked seven years for or worked for? Why have you deceived me? Can you imagine this? He works the first seven years. And in and, and the first seven years, he's eager. He, he's now, you know, he completed the seven years. He's eager. He's so eager. He's like, give me, give me my wife because I'm ready to sleep with her. And then the father is like, cool. And he gives him not Rachel, the one he worked for, but gives him tender-eyed Leah. Can you imagine that morning? Like, imagine that morning where the tent was dark all night, and so he consummated the marriage at night, and then in the morning when the sunlight shined into the tent, and he looks over to his left, as Tweet would say, and he doesn't see, that, that was a little immature, and he, and he doesn't see Leah, but sees Rachel. I mean, he doesn't see Rachel, but sees Leah. Can you imagine that? I know he was like, wait a second. So the Bible says that he runs out the tent and he finds Laban. And I'm sure Laban was prepared. And he asked him three questions. Now, don't miss these questions. If you're writing notes, write this down. Two of those questions make sense. One of the questions I'm a little baffled by. First question he asked here. It says, where am I at? Verse 25. He says, what is this that you have done to me? That's legit. Second question. Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? That's legit. Here's the question I'm baffled by. Why have you deceived me? Now, the reason I'm baffled by this is because if you look at Jacob's life, Jacob's life isn't marked by integrity. Jacob, two chapters ago, was trifling. Two chapters ago, he deceives his father Isaac into giving him his brother Esau's birthright. The Bible says Esau was hairy, and so he went out. Jacob goes outside, and he gets camel hair, and he puts it on his arm, and he puts it on his neck, and he takes advantage of his father's poor eyesight so that he can deceive his father to get the birthright. So in our passage today, the deceiver is now deceived. And I love the, the comparison between the two stories. Because Jacob deceives his older brother. But in our passage today, Jacob is deceived by the younger sister. Don't miss this. Jacob deceives his father because of his poor eyesight. Laban deceives Jacob because of his poor eyesight. And so there's a crazy comparison here. Now, I'm not preaching karma. I'm not saying what goes around comes around because, honestly, the gospel breaks that. Because reality is, if you got what you deserved, we'd all be dead. And so, so I'm not preaching karma, but I am saying, even in your singleness, if there is unrepented sin in your singleness, it really needs to be repented of because healthy singles make healthy marriages. Does that make sense? You think you're going to get healthy just in the marriage? Listen, if you're watching porn as a single, chances are it filters into your marriage. And so we want to go to counseling, post-marital counseling, and be like, I don't know why we're having these issues. Because you didn't deal with them in your singleness. Because you haven't addressed them when you were single. And so what we have here is, is Jacob and his singleness just lacking integrity. And no, he didn't lack integrity in a relationship. But one of the things I found out about lack of integrity and lack of character is you typically, if you find one area in a young man's life or a young woman's life that's not up to par with integrity, 
It's normally a couple of other areas. Listen, I've counseled long enough. I've sat across too many people, and when they've told me the dysfunction, I say, okay, what about this, what about this? By the time we walk out, it's two or three areas. Why? Because it runs rampant. So here we have Jacob was dysfunctional in his singleness. Now moving towards marriage, he's now being deceived with the same deception that he did two chapters ago. And so what we have, what we have here is he wakes up and he's like, I don't understand what's going on. This ain't Rachel. This is Leah. But Laban must have practiced his response because Laban responds here in verse 26. Y'all still with me? Laban answered, is it, is it not the, uh, the custom? It, it is the, not the custom in this place to give the younger daughter in marriage before the firstborn. I wish you had told me that earlier, but it's OK. Verse 27, complete this week of the wedding celebration. And we will also give you the younger Rachel in return for working another seven years. Now, many people will say that he worked the seven years, so 14 years he finally gets Leah. No, he gets both sisters in the same week. Don't miss this. Because then, after he gets her at the end of the week, watch what it says in verse 28. And Jacob did just that. He finished the week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. And Laban gave his slave Bilhah, to his daughter Rachel as her slave. Now that's going to become crazy later on. I don't have time to preach it. But Jacob ends up sleeping with the, with the servant as well. It's a dysfunctional situation here. Verse 30, Jacob slept with Rachel also. And indeed, I told you to underline this. He loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Do you, are y'all picking up the unhealth here? His pursuit of Rachel was so dysfunctional that when he finally gets married to Leah and then he finally gets married to Leah, uh, Leah, he now has the sisters bumping heads. How do I know that? Because later on in the chapter, it's going to say that they envied each other. The sis- he, this one man, and what's crazy is it says here that he loved Rachel more, and we'll read that and be like, oh, he must have loved Leah a little bit. No, but if you read the next verse, verse 31, it says Leah was unloved. ESV version says he hated Leah. So he's sleeping with Leah. Don't miss this. He's sleeping with Leah, but in love with Rachel. Now, I know you're like, well, Pastor, you're making that up. He did he really sleep with her after he got Rachel? He has four other kids with Leah. Levi, Simeon, Reuben, Judah. By the time you get to the end of the chapter, he has four kids with her, which means he's involved with her intimately, but he's not involved with her emotionally. And ladies, hear me. I know that's not you. I know you a virgin and you ain't never gotten these what they call situationships. Y'all ever heard of that before? I just found why y'all ain't tell me. I just found out a situationship is, is when you you're in a relationship, but there are no strings attached. It's, it's, it is so carnal and unbiblical. Don't get in these relationships. And ladies, hear me. Do not get in a relationship with a man that doesn't want commitment. He only wants sex. Brothers, don't get it because we always we always put a bad name on the brothers. There's a few women that all they want is a tune up. They, they don't want they Oh, y'all. Gonna, can we be honest in here? We, we get we we look at brothers and be like, listen, that dude is wrong. But there's a few ladies out here that don't want the relationship either. All they want is the sexual experience. And I know this is a little graphic for us today. But if you don't hear it in here, you are hear it at Red Table Talk. So you need to hear it in here. 
So what we have here is Jacob is involved in a situationship where he loves Rachel, but he's still sleeping with the sister Leah. And he's not treating Leah as a wife, but treating her as a friend with benefits. Brothers, hear me. You, we can't be, you have to pursue your wife, man. You can't pursue her. If you got her through dating, you keep her through dating. Does that make sense? Because what we do is we get in the marriage and then we get lazy. We get in the marriage and then we get time off. But if you're not putting the work in, you know somebody else is willing to. So, so it's very important that we understand what is happening here. He's married to Leah, but all he's doing is having intimacy with Leah. She pops out four kids. But here's what I love about God. Even though she was unloved by her husband, she was loved by God. In fact, I love verse 31 because it shows us that God noticed her. He noticed her brokenness. He noticed that she was being used. He noticed that she was hurt. And let me, some of you came in here today and you're caught up in these toxic relationships. And hear me when I say, whatever past you came in here with or present that you came in here with, God still loves you. And you're, you're not unloved. You're not unwanted because he doesn't love you. Brothers, you're not unloved and unwanted because she doesn't love you. God loves you. And you know how I know because the rest of the chapter just goes on to say that God blesses Leah and God blesses Leah and God blesses Leah. I don't know where you're at in your relationship. I don't. Here's what I know. God pressed on my heart all week that there's unhealthiness in singles in this room. There's unhealthiness in our dating and there's unhealthiness in our marriages. And my hope and my prayer and my goal is that we would be people that are pursuing purity. That we are pursuing Christ's likeness in our relationship. You know your relationship if you're married is a reflection of Christ's love for his church. If the goal of dating is marriage and the goal of marriage is Christ's likeness, we need. And here's what I love about the gospel. When it says in Ephesians chapter five, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Do you know how much Christ loved the church? He was willing to die for it. He was willing to be sacrificial. Yet we come in here selfish in the relationship. So my hope and prayer today is that this sermon, this passage would minister to all of us in this room and that we wouldn't walk out of here and just be like, I got it all together. No, there's probably a level of health to your relationship, too. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm way over time. But I genuinely believe that there is somebody in this room that is dealing with a certain level of brokenness in their relationship. It may not be this dysfunctional. But there's so many little areas of dysfunction, it rises to a big level. And I, my prayer, my hope today, my prayer and my desire today is that everybody in this room, under the sound of my voice, would walk out of here and look for those areas in our lives that we're dysfunctional. And then we would invite people into our life to really challenge us. We'd go and have hard conversations. But I know he loved you. I know she loved you, but... May we have hard conversations today on what does it mean to be pure in our marriage? What does it mean to be pure in our relationship? And what does it mean to be pure in our singleness? Father, I pray for everybody in this room. I'm not naive, Lord. I know that there are some people in this room that are dealing with brokenness. And maybe it's not the current relationship, but maybe we haven't got over the impurity of two relationships ago 
But Father, would you help us today to see clearly? Would you remove the scales from our eyes so that we can have the guts to walk away if we need to? Not from a marriage, have the guts to go to counseling if we need to. But for those of us that, those that are in relationships that are unhealthy, may we either pursue purity or walk away from it. Because my, 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 my fear, Lord, is that we're more afraid of hurting the other person and less afraid of the fact that we've grieved you. So, Father, I pray for every relationship in this room. I pray for every single person in this room, every person that's engaged in this room. Protect us from the schemes of the enemy. Protect us from the darts of the devil. May we look at the devil and laugh and say, you tried it. But I'm representing Jesus Christ in this relationship. Because at the end of the day, we want to be reflections of your love for the church. So I pray for our men that we will be men that are serious about pursuing the women that you've called us to pursue. And for our young ladies, may we be serious about our standards and serious about what that relationship goal will look like. May goals not just be a hashtag. May it be something that we live out. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen.